So we're starting a series on Philippians, and actually two weeks ago, Paul talked about how Philippians, that community got started, right? And it, it started by a vision that Paul had that led him into this territory that became the first church in Europe, actually. That's how it goes, right? And you, you see supernatural things that just mark how this church gets established, right? And then Paul, he's in jail, and um, instead of complaining about the last lacerations on his body, he's worshiping God, right? And an earthquake happens, so you see supernatural things, supernatural thing, and then a whole other household gets saved. Okay, then he's there for three months with these folks. And now it's 10 years later, okay? 10 years later, this, this church is now 10 years old. And Paul gets a visit from a guy named Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus. And he's actually one of the members of this Philippian church. So they send Epaphroditus with some money to bless Paul. Epaphroditus goes there, and Paul is really happy to see him, and then Epaphroditus gets a cold. Well, he gets more than a cold. He gets deathly sick, in fact, almost unto death. And um, so he stays there a while because he really can't leave because he's too sick. Well, eventually he, he recovers. And where, where is Paul? Do you know where Paul is when he writes this letter? Anybody? Where is he? He's in jail. You got it. Paul is in jail in Rome. Why is he in jail? He's being Paul. He's doing his thing. Okay, that's true. And what was his thing? Jesus, yes. He was preaching Jesus, right, to, to a lot of people. And the Jews in these different areas, they didn't like it, and they would always cause these uprisings. Sometimes it was the Gentiles. Well, eventually they get him, right, and he's in prison. And this is uh, between A.D. 61 and A.D. 62. He is in prison, and he writes this letter along with three other epistles, right? That's pretty cool, you know. Just again, talking about an attitude of, of serving in the midst of hardship, this man is thinking of eternity and he's thinking about the well-being of God's people and he's bearing a crazy amount of fruit while he's in jail, while he's in prison. That's pretty cool, isn't it? it is. I would say. Okay, so if you want to go to Philippians uh, chapter 1, verse 1, we're going to start there and... Um, every epistle, except Hebrews, basically, but the, the standard structure of an epistle is the author of that letter will address themselves and they will address who the uh, recipients of the letter are. So it starts off by saying, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. And it says more than that. Does somebody want to read out loud to all of us? Philippians 1.1. 1, 1? Oh, who... Let's read it all together. How does that sound? Does that sound fun? Okay. So I got to get out of the way so you can see. Okay. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. We'll stop there. I know you want to keep going, but we're going to stop right there. Okay. Elsewhere, 
You look at 1 2 Corinthians, you can look at some of these other epistles. Paul says he describes himself as an apostle, which he is. There's something different here. He describes him and his, his co-worker, Timothy, as servants of Christ Jesus. And that's a big deal to call yourself a servant. Remember, this guy is called of God. I mean, he had this Damascus road encounter where the risen Lord, like this glory just shoots Paul off of his horse and he gets blind because he experiences Jesus who he's persecuting, right? So he has this incredible experience with Jesus. He's real. This isn't just like theoretical stuff. No, I've met the living God and my life has changed, right? So this is Paul. He's called to be an apostle. That wasn't his choice. That was God's choice. He was elected from before the foundation of the world to be an apostle. He takes his call seriously, right? So his life now is transformed and he's, he's living for God, okay? The term servant is doulos in the Greek, right? And different people have different commentaries on this idea of what it means to be a servant. And, um, you know, Another term is bond slave, okay? Bond slaves in this time, they did not have rights. They were owned by somebody else, okay? That, that is what it meant. And now I'm going to bring, bring something I believe is biblical truth, and you can test it with your understanding, okay? I'm going to ask you a question. Is Paul legally before God a servant or is he legally before God a son? And I'm, I'm separating the two because I'm going to say that from a legal standpoint, they're contradictory terms. Okay, so I'm throwing out that question. What, what's the answer to that? A son. Somebody said son. Okay, and I believe that's true. Um, I can throw out a lot of verses that talk about sonship in the scriptures that we are legally sons of God. We became sons of God, okay? I believe that's true. Um, so Paul is a son legally, just as Jesus Christ before God is legally a son. But now let's look at the attitude. Let's look at the attitude. You can think of sons who maybe have wealthy dads or they, they grew up in a lot of blessing, a lot of whatever, uh, affluence. Some of these sons are, you know, you're going to serve me. I'm going to um, exploit all the resources I have for me, right? You got a lot of people like that in our culture. Well, let's, let's think of this idea. Somebody like Jesus, who's God in flesh, has all resources, all power and authority and creation should bow to him. And give him his due, right? He comes in the flesh. But he came not to be served, but to what? Serve and give himself his life as a ransom for many, right? And Paul says, be followers of me as I am of Christ, right? You, you can look uh, before the, uh, the Last Supper discourse, Jesus gets on his knees. And he washes the disciples' feet and, and as it describes that, it says Jesus knew that everything was handed over to him by the Father. Everything, all the creation, all authority, all power, all blessing, all honor, all everything is handed over to Christ. And how does he respond with that? He doesn't use that to glorify himself. With that awareness of his sonship and his authority, he gets down on his knees and he serves. Right? Now Strong's Concordance when it talks about how doulos is used in the New Testament, 
It says that it, de it describes Christians who willingly take an attitude of service, of servanthood. It's not something that's forced on them by God. Right? There are some who are going to be saved as though barely through the flames. There, there are going to be some Christians who are on the other side of eternity and they don't have much to show for themselves because they stayed immature. They stayed selfish like the Corinthians. They were, they were but children just living for me, right? But then there are going to be others who willfully made a choice. And they said, because he loves me, because I'm a son, because I'm an heir of God and a co-heir with Christ, because I have rights, because I've got everything waiting for me on the other side, every day I'm going to make a choice. And I'm going to live as a servant, not because... I'm a piece of junk, right? Some people serve because they don't think they're, any, they're anything better than that. They serve because they think that they, they're lowly, they're less valuable than others, and that's their place in life, right? They, they serve out of a lack of self-love, lack of self-respect. They think they're dirt. We're not talking about that. We're talking about people who serve because they know who they are in Christ, they know that they're loved. Okay? So going back to Paul and his legal stance before God, which is ours, if we're in Christ, right? The condition here is you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, right? You believe in your heart that he's risen from the dead. You're part of the kingdom of God. You're a child of God. You're adopted into the family of God. God wants sons, not slaves, Right? He likes being a dad, not a slave master. That's, he could have chose the other, other way around, but he didn't because that's not his nature. That's not his heart. Paul is an adopted son of God with rights and privileges. He'll be blessed for eternity with lavish grace and the love of God in a glorified body. We're all going to have glorified bodies. With, they're perfect. No problems ever. Okay? Paul believes this stuff. He believes these promises of God with all of his heart. And because they're so true to him, every day he chooses, and, and he doesn't do it because he, he's afraid God's going to punish him. Right? He doesn't serve out of fear. He serves out of love. Right? He serves out of love. Can anybody here say they serve God out of love? Right? And you look at the Ryans and their testimony and say, okay, God opened a door to go to Africa. You know, Bob and Linda, Bob, they're about a month, you almost a month. You are serving those people. You're not there to glorify yourselves. You're there to use your resources to bless people for eternity. How can I help? How can I serve? You're dedicating your money, your time, your energy, your life to bless people in Africa. Probably not because you think God's going to strike you down if you don't. Because you, th you think he's going to love you less if you don't, right? You're probably doing it because there's some love that's supernatural in your heart for these people. Would you say that's the case? Okay? Supernatural love can compel us to say no to ourselves and say yes to Christ, right? To, to lower ourselves down so we can bless and serve other people. In John 
Jesus Christ makes a distinction between being a slave and a son. He says, now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son does. Okay, in John 15, 15, Jesus elevates his, his followers from the role of servant to friend. He says, henceforth I call you not as servants, for the servant knows not what his Lord does, but I have called you friends. So we see a transition as he gets to know his disciples better. He changes the quality of that relationship to a higher status. Right? The, the Bible says multiple times when Paul talks about his labor for the gospel, he says he's a co-laborer with Christ. He's partnering with Christ. That Christ comes down, he condescends to our level as a friend, as a co-worker, and he's, he's tag-teaming. The God of the universe is tag-teaming with us when we choose to live for him. Right? And the things that we do, there he is right beside us. That's pretty incredible when you, when you think about it. So, again, just saying this, we are legally sons. We are not legally slaves. And the more we are rooted and grounded in God's love, the more we understand our sonship, the more we understand being loved as a bride of Christ, of Jesus, our elder brother, our high priest, the more we understand these ways in which God loves us, the more liberated, the more free we become to serve in a way that isn't, oh, I have to do this, I should do this, this is the right thing. But no, there's a joy. There's a joy. That love of Father is flowing through me, that unconditional love. And it's been released through me. However, the Lord is opening doors in my life to touch people. It becomes natural. It becomes beautiful. Um, yeah, it's hard at times. You know, Mother Teresa you know, she's a pretty neat example when you think about servanthood. It wasn't all, like, good, good, sweet feelings, right? I mean, look at Paul. I mean, the guy gets uh, battered and beaten. It wasn't all sweet feelings for him. But you know what? There were a lot of sweet feelings. I've read through Philippians, I think, three or four times this past week. And I really, it's like I want to understand, go deeper and deeper and deeper what's going on here. And there are a lot of very sweet feelings that Paul has for the Philippians, we're talking deep, deep stuff. He says, I long for you with my heart. You're in my heart. I long for you with the affection that is in Christ Jesus. This isn't a job for him. It's not a job. It's a love relationship, right? And you think about the people that you love. You know, some of the people here are married. If you really love people, do you start to serve them? Is that true? You love your friends. You start to serve them. Yeah. You do, not because you should, although sometimes that's the case. But if you truly love somebody, you do it because you want to, right? Your husband or wife doesn't force servitude on you, but you take that attitude to serve them, and there's a joy in serving because of love. And yeah, it's hard sometimes, but you know what? Love is hard, right? Love was hard for Jesus. Look what it cost him. Paul is not just an apostle, he's a dad. And I see the way he's relating to these Philippian believers is as a, is a father who has such tender emotion. You look at, like, you think of Karen Anderson, she gets so gooey over these grandkids. You, you see that? Oh, my grandkid. And somebody's born, and she's, oh, and she gets so excited. Well, you know, that's the heart of God. 
You think that's the heart of God? And I see that in Paul. It comes through in the Apostle Paul in the love that he has for those that he is serving. Now, we talked about where Paul got this from. Well, he got it from Jesus Christ. He got this attitude from Jesus Christ, God, infinite, eternal God, who comes into this world to serve us, to lay down his life for us. We're about a month from Easter now, right? So we, we start to think around this time that, uh, you know, to what extent did he choose to serve his people and serve the Father? Well, to the extreme, right? Jesus paid it all. He gave it all. And every day of his life, you know, he was looking towards the Father. I choose not to do mine own will, own will, but the will of him that sent me. He's always choosing the Father's will above his own, right? And I imagine the Apostle Paul, there were times when he's like, boy, I just kind of wish I could take a break. <laughs> you know, I, you know I've, I've been um, beaten. I've been shipwrecked. I've been... Know, uh, lashed many times over and over again for the gospel. There were probably some times where he's like, oh, you know, how much longer? Um, and you do see him wrestle with certain things in his life. But and he, he shares, he shares this. He's in prison. Just think, he's writing the Philippians letter. He's in prison. All of his rights are basically taken from him now, right, in an earthly sense. And he thinks about going going to be with Jesus, and he knows what it's going to be like, right? Perfect bliss, perfect intimacy, perfect love. This is good. He's so excited. But he says, you know what? I'd rather stay here, even in my chains, even, even in my, my brokenness here, even in my suffering, in my, my limitations, because, because it's better for you. Because it's better for you. I can bear more fruit. I mean, even the way he was thinking, it, it went beyond his comforts. It went beyond his preferences to how can I best bless the people of God? And that determined, hey, I'm going to just give it my all in this world until God calls me home, no matter what circumstances I'm in. That's pretty powerful. You think of uh, the Church of Philippi at, at the time, it wouldn't even exist Right? It wouldn't even exist if it wasn't for the Apostle Paul's servanthood of God and really just honing on that relationship, listening to the Holy Spirit. Right? You think, okay, Paul Anderson, he spends a lot of time in prayer. He waits upon God. And I think God put in his heart, start a house church. Is that true? Okay. So this church wouldn't exist if it wasn't for that Paul's servanthood and his devotion to Christ. And I, I just want to get a little bit reflective here and just think about our own lives. Can you think of any, anything, any person, any circumstance that changed for the better that was touched because you chose to serve, because you said yes to God? Anybody, can you think of anything? And somebody share, just share. Like what, how was somebody blessed? How is a group blessed because you chose to serve and bless somebody? Anybody? Okay. 
lay down our secrets and our and the Lord told me it would never be the same. Mhm. Never like you, never like We got four more kids plus us so after and it has never been the same. Okay. Same thing, same dad. We're still in the process of believing it's gonna happen again. Okay. I'm still raising the kids but um there is sacrifice involved. Yeah. Yeah. But the Lord promised us ahead of time it was the right thing to do but Well, amen to that. And you think they're investing as a family, as a mom and a dad, not just one time. I'm just going to give one blessing, but I'm going to bring people into my life, into my heart, into my family. I'm going to provide for them emotionally, physically, spiritually. And, uh, you know, they could have said no. Imagine what things would be like if they said no. I mean, lives are literally being changed because you're saying yes, Right? Young people are being loved. Young people are getting the mom and dad experience that God intended for them to have. Their lives are going to be different because of your faithfulness. And to think then that they get married, they have kids, and what what kind of fruit is going to just be compounding because of your love and faithfulness to some young kids? That's pretty powerful. Anybody else want to share just anything you you did that where you you've served and touched lives? That's really cool. Oh, R- Ramon, you had one, something yeah, you want to share? Yeah, on that same note, this week, this week I, s- I was able to serve um, bringing in our, our blessing of being able to sign. But we went and served a home that was, uh, her mom wasn't there, but yet she, she was there. And with the blessing from learning, being able to sign, I was able to, you know, uh, sign with her and make the delivery. And it was just like, wow, you don't expect people to come up, you know, and, and serve you and know your language and, and that's one thing that's been awesome is, is just reaching different people with different languages and and, and, and uh, opening up with your understanding of their language because that's just amazing anyone else yes
That's really cool. Amen to that. I mean, we, we can invest in people every day. We can choose to love people every day. And even some of the people that maybe get on our nerves a little bit or there might be a little conflict and you show them grace and kindness and patience and just think, just think what can happen, right? And you don't have to share the story, but can anyone raise your hand and say, well, I, I chose to love people who maybe weren't my first choice and God did something through that. God, God changed a life. Yeah, yeah, that's really awesome. Um, the core of Philippians, you see it in Philippians 2, and if we could just jump there. Philippians 2. Philippians 2.5. And again, Paul is talking about attitudes here. Attitudes. Philippians 2.5, it says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Made himself nothing. I don't have to prove anything. I don't have to flaunt myself. I don't have to show how important I am. I'm going to die to myself and serve the Father and serve others. Made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant. Right? Wow. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. Yeah, I'd say he humbled himself. Eternal, infinite God gets killed, gets rejected. That's pretty, I can't think of any greater humbling than that. Right? Being abused by the very people you created who deserve to be judged. That's, that's amazing. He humbled himself. Well, the Bible says if you humble yourself, you're going to be exalted. That's Luke 14, 11. It says it elsewhere. Well, did that prove to be true for Jesus' life? As he humbled himself and served, did he get exalted? Yeah, he got a name that is above every other name. Those beautiful passages and revelations of blessing and glory and honor and praise, right? Beyond unto him that sits on the throne and unto the Lamb, right? He gets everything. He redeems the cosmos, right? What kind of fruit did the servanthood of Jesus Christ purchase? Well, we won't fully know until we have our glorified bodies, but we get a sense, right? The whole of creation being redeemed, being reconciled to God, Right? A family of, of you know, maybe billions of people. I don't know how many there'll be at the culmination of the age. But because of Jesus' servanthood, 
creation is going to be restored and there are going to be a lot of people who are going to have an awesome eternal life with the Father and with Jesus because Jesus said yes to servanthood, right? And so I think to myself, if I have this mentality of servanthood, again, out of love, not, not so much out of duty, but out of love and out of joy and with the faith to believe, as I choose to give of myself and lay down my preferences and be sensitive to how the Holy Spirit wants to lead me, what is going to be changed for eternity? Because I said yes. Okay? And I believe there will be a lot. I think I'll have a lot of fruit when I'm on the other side. I'll be like, yeah, that was worth it. Maybe, maybe it was really hard, but it was really worth it. Okay? And we're just going to stop with that, and I'm going to pray, though, right now for this. So, Father, as we're, as we're thinking of, of servanthood, Serving, serving out of sonship, and it's not a gender thing. It's a legal blessing. It's a, a legal relationship with the Father of inheritance and value and commitment for eternity. Lord, as we think about this serving out of sonship, serving out of an overflow of your blessing and your love, we think of the fruit of Jesus' servanthood, the fruit of Paul's servanthood, we can think of the fruit of our servanthood. Lord, we pray for a deeper revelation of sonship, of our standing before you. May we be rooted and grounded in your love in a deeper way. And we also pray that you would open doors that would enable us to serve others, where we could see transformation, we could see eternal fruit, let us know your heart in these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now for our group time, you know, probably everybody here who's ha has had people who have invested in them. In other words, they served you. So I want to be thinking of sharing, getting groups two, three, four, five, whatever, but Maybe share a couple stories of people who blessed you, who served you, and how that changed your life. And then you could share about maybe something that you've done to bless somebody else or something you could do. Maybe, maybe there is a, a, an open door right before you right now and you just got to walk in that. And there's going to be blessing and transformation. So that's what we're going to do. Right? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You know, God bless you. Amen. <laughs>